Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas, and in today's episode, we're talking about how our past can impact our present in parenting. I invited my good friend and colleague Yara onto the podcast. She is a psychologist based in Perth, Australia. In today's conversation, we're going to explore questions such as, in what ways does motherhood trigger past trauma or pain? What can be the impact of trauma on our present and how we show up in motherhood? How do we get to know our triggers? And how can we begin to heal our past so that we can begin to reclaim our present with our children and within ourselves? We also explore some of the ideas around reparenting or connecting with our own inner child and explore this idea of rewiring. Can we really rewire when we've lived with these triggers and these cycles for so long? Is it really possible to actually rewire? We say yes, and we're going to bring all of this to the everyday moments and talk about how we can begin to regulate in the moment with our kids when we find ourselves being triggered. Yara and I are both going to share some of our own personal stories, and it gets pretty real and pretty vulnerable, and I'm just really honored that you're taking the time to set aside the space to connect with us today and be a witness to this conversation. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, my friend. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. And just for the listeners, we were just laughing because you are in Australia and we were scheduling this recording. And yesterday you emailed me, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I got the time wrong. And I was like, oh, I thought it was tomorrow because we we didn't even like put it together that like your morning is on the next day of my previous day. It just feels like we're living in these weird alternate universes, but this is just what it is to live on the other side of the country. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's so weird. It's so strange, but I'm so glad, as we said, I'm so glad you weren't there waiting. So (laughs) we we finally (laughs) figured out the time difference and I'm so excited to connect with you in real time uh, because you do live on the other side of the world. And so you and I will, you know, we'll send voice messages back and forth on Instagram. And it's usually like at random times, Yes. <laughs> like when I'm asleep, you're up. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. but we've just, we've been able to connect um, over there on social media. It's one of the 
beautiful things about yes. that space. And Absolutely. it's super cool to connect with you in real yeah, time. <laughs> it is. And it's so nice because it can be such a, a lonely existence in private practice. So it's so beautiful to be able to connect with like-minded people from all over the world, you know, like that's fabulous. Mm-hmm. It is. It's incredible. Mm. And Mm. so how you and I initially got to know each other was through Instagram. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, for the listener, I'd love for you to maybe share just a little bit about yourself so they can get to know you too. Yeah, beautiful. Um, Yeah, so I'm Yara um, and I am a psychologist here in Australia. And um, my work in psychology has been quite varied. So I've done work in drug and alcohol, which is another one of my passions. I really enjoy that space. Um, I've also worked in sort of the government sector here in Australia. So I've worked in, um, in mental health in hospitals, which has been really interesting, very um, like from a professional perspective, very, very interesting in terms of presentations and things like that. Um, but also was very intense, (laughs) very, very intense. Um, And then uh, in 2016, I had my first baby, um, my little Otis. And that, like many people who work in the motherhood space, (laughs) just completely threw me, (laughs) you know. And I remember it was, it's hard because I think now knowing what I know and working in the space that I do do in perinatal um, psychology, I know that so many women are really thrown by the experience of having babies um, because often what we expect it's going to be is completely different to what it really is in reality. Um, But for me, I also felt that being a psychologist, there was another level of like almost shame, you know, to the fact that I was experiencing difficulty with it because I was like, I'm a psychologist. Like, you know, I should know this stuff or I should have my, you know, stuff together. And it was just a really humbling experience actually. Um, and something that I have brought with me into my practice in perinatal psychology, which is just about, um, obviously not, um, disclosing to the point where, you know, therapy is about me or anything, but just sharing with people that, Hey, even someone who's got, you know, loads of training in mental health, um, you know, can still really experience a lot of struggle and a lot of challenge in the transition to becoming a mother and actually that process that we are in forever, you know? Um, yeah. So for me, um, when I had my son, the thing that was, uh, initially the most difficult, um, okay. Apart from breastfeeding, cause that was really hard. <laughs> breastfeeding was really hard and that was a journey. Um, and that took, I don't know, like probably about six months until we were really settled into that. And it included, you know, a lot of, um, mastitis and even some, um, some thrush as well, like for my son and, you know, like there was pain and there was laser and there was, you know, lots of lactation consultants and, um, lots of tears with my doula and, you know, with my midwives who were still in my, in my, um, orbit for many months after. I was so grateful to have actually a midwife who I knew through the whole process of, um, you know, being pregnant and then birthing and who was literally coming in the beginning, like twice a day to visit me at home for the first like two weeks to just check in on how breastfeeding was going. And she was just so supportive. So I'm very fortunate. Um, And once that settled, the thing that was the biggest well, identity, but then my relationship was actually one of the hardest things for me, you know, like being, figuring out how do we actually be together? Like, 
you know, we can't spend the time that we used to spend together. We can't be intimate in the same ways. Um, we've lost a real level of um, spontaneity. And it wasn't that that didn't exist anymore, but it was like I had to get out of the thinking of how I used to think to be able to, you know, see where spontaneity could occur again, you know, um, in a different way. And so that was really challenging. And it brought me to, um, I found out about the Gottmans um, bringing baby home um, work that they do. And I was like, this is amazing. And it wasn't being offered in Australia for educator training at the time. And I was like, I'm just going to fly to the States, <laughs> um, you know, back when we could do that. Um, and anyway, at that point I didn't. And eventually it showed up on my radar that they were doing training in Canberra on the other side of Australia. So I'm in Perth. And I flew over there and did it and just, I was pregnant actually at that time with my second by this point. And it just blew my mind, you know, like learning about all of what they, you know, talk about in there. I mean, a lot of it is just to do with the couple's therapy and the style that they um, sort of teach for that. But it was really wonderful. There was so much more in there that was really targeted towards this um, period of transition, you know. And I just remember thinking, man, if I had known this stuff, like if I had known this, you know, and I was just like, it's like this is a big secret. Like where, why are people not screaming this from the rooftops? Like why are we... Um, preparing for birth and nesting which is really important but why is that the focus like why are we not talking about all of what happens after you know like in terms of for women individually what is happening to their body like even just understanding differences in hormones in the body and how that inter interacts with your um, you know libido and and desire to have sex and you know things like this and I was like there is like I just felt cheated <laughs> I was just like, this is just not right, you know. And so um, it was at that point where I sort of went, I'm going to create a business that's around this. And at that point it was, my focus was on, you know, um, preparing couples for um, becoming parents. And event, you know, over time that evolved into I'm going to go and really pursue perinatal psychology and, and things like that. And, yeah, so now I have a practice in Fremantle, which is a lovely little coastal city down here and um and have been so fortunate that there's been so much demand for it which is no surprise at all um and so i've been really able to extend that into an online space and now i offer um like group coaching and things like that which has been i've just run the first round of that and it's just been mind-blowing like so mind-blowing so impactful for those women um and such a wonderful experience for me to just go like I really know a lot of stuff about this and it has a real impact. And even the stuff that I may think is really basic, like it's really changing people's lives. That's a really beautiful thing. And the community, you know, that, mm -hmm. that sisterhood that's created with that group, it's just so beautiful. So yeah, it's just such a rich and nourishing place for me to find myself career wise. It really supports me in where I'm at in my life, but also because of that, it just feels so aligned, you know, and mm -hmm. It's, it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like it's just a love, really, that I'm involved in. So, yeah, it's beautiful. Mm. That's me. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. And I can relate to so many pieces of this. And I'm, I'd love to hear if, the, if you can, if you relate to this piece of now doing the work that you do, for me doing the work that I do, it's so meaningful because of the muse, <laughs> the experience mm. that brought me yes. to doing this work. I almost, I imagine sometimes what it would be like to go in the past and to be able to like, you know, sit there with, with past me and say, Hey, 
<laughs> like, mm. oh, you're so in it right now and you're not mm. alone. And you know what? I know you're not alone because there's going to come a day where you're actually supporting mm. you know, thousands of other parents or yeah. you know, at some point you'll get to that point where like, that's how many mm. folks like that you're touching, yeah. right? Whether yeah. it's through social media or through, you know, your practice or through the groups that you're holding now. Yeah. It's so meaningful for those reasons. Um, and for so many reasons. And mm. as you were, as you were talking, what was, what I really also really connected with in your, in your story was, okay, in the struggles, right? There were first the like physical stuff, right? Which I think mm. is like all we have the capacity to like acknowledge in the very beginning. Absolutely. So yeah, it's yeah. the breastfeeding, it's the mastitis, it's the healing mm. from birth, right? Yeah. It's the sleep deprivation. And and then and then as we kind of get support there and kind of move through that, then the relational stuff kind of shows mm. up and the identity and it's like, oof, now now we're kind of rumbling with how our relationship has shifted and how our identity has shifted massively. Right. Mm. And, and then kind of bringing us to our topic today, I think that it, it definitely can show up like during even, you know, fertility, navigating fertility, pregnancy, mm. birth, postpartum that first year. But I think that as, as our child gets older and as our child begins to relate to us more, right. Mm. All of a sudden now the the work sometimes tends to shift to looking at more at how our pasts and our own childhoods yeah. are now getting triggered as we navigate mm. becoming a mother and parenting, like actually relating to our child. Mm. I don't know. Can you so much? <laughs> ah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um yes. So for me that was that has been a lot of the work and in fact even in terms of my relationship it has it has been a part of the work in in that as well at this period of time in terms of mm -hmm. this period of mothering because one of the things um that i inadvertently ended up realizing was just how much of the reparenting work or the wounds from my own childhood were actually still influencing my relationship mm. and the way that I was responding to, you know, tricky or um, challenging situations within that as well. So there's been a real, I can say that, you know, I think that the pro the process of healing is actually one that we are just engaged in for our lives, right? With, I don't think that there's a destination that you hit, that you reach and then you're like healed and you never have to think about triggers or, your past, like it's just not like that. I think it's just a constant process and it's really about um, awareness so that we can have intention about how we choose to show up mm. um, in the world. And, you know, so for me, it's just, it's a, it's a process now where I, I realise I'm living so consciously and so with so much awareness in my day-to-day. -day. So, you know, whether that's interactions with my children or with my partner or with my friends, um, or even reflecting on what I'm doing in my work or my therapy. Like it's, it's actually a gift, I think, actually, that has um, had impact across so many areas of my life. But, yeah, I mean, the childhood stuff is really big stuff. I mean, um, for me, I'll share something um, personally. For me, my 
background is one where I, I was actually born in Africa. So I was born in Mozambique. And when I was very young, when I was about four months old, I left Mozambique and went to Portugal with my grandmother without my parents, because at that time there was war. And then I lived in Portugal for about four years. And then I came to Australia and actually had a separation from my mother and actually didn't see my mother again until I was about 25. Wow. And yeah, really. Um, and it was interesting, actually, the way, you know, it's, I think that nothing happens by chance. And so, you know, at the time when I found my mother again, I was actually going through my psychology, <laughs> um, you know, training. So yeah. that was a, that was a really timely, you know, time, I guess, to actually be doing some of that work back before I became a mother. Um, but I think I didn't, you know, and then obviously I went and had my own therapy and all the rest of it, but I really didn't realise the impact of all of that until I became a mother myself, you know. Um, and so, you know, obviously that's not necessarily what everyone's dealing with. Some people may have other kinds of situations that are in their past. Um, but, yeah, I think that when we become parents, and, you know, obviously this happens for fathers as well, but I'm speaking, I guess, more so about mothers, when we become mothers, it's a time where, um, you know, we have a separation in some, to some degree from things that we used to do in the past, right? And I mean, things that influence how we feel about our identity, but also things that actually are our coping strategies for how we manage the hurt that we may be carrying from our, you know, from our histories. Mm -hmm. And when we don't have access to that anymore, all of a sudden that history becomes very loud, you know? Um, you know, so I think that that period of time when we become mothers is obviously one where that happens. There's that. I remember, um, you know, when my husband went back to work, which was like two weeks after and just sitting in silence, like just being with my own thoughts and being like and not really being able to do anything because I was trying to breastfeed. Like I was I, I just literally felt stuck on the couch and my son would literally like cry any time that he did not have a breast in his mouth. And I didn't know how to handle that because, mm. you know, for me what that would mean is that I would think about my own experience about what was it like when I cried when I was a child, like who was there for me, you know? And so there's this, it's inevitable then that we end up thinking about, you know, how we have been responded to, you know, when we're faced with our child, you know, making um, bids for attention and connection with us, it's impossible then not to really consider how we've been responded to in the past. And so, you know, something I often say to people is like, I have so many bittersweet moments in parenting where I'll be like um, really relishing and, and, and being so present in the joy that, you know, my presence, my, my true presence provides to my children while at the same time being really aware that that's not necessarily something that I received, you mm -hmm. know, which is, which is um, like I said, bittersweet. There is some pain in that, but there's also some beautiful healing in being able to share that moment with my child and being able to, you know, for me, be aware of my inner child and really allow, you know, my inner child to receive that as well in that moment. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I think, you know, we are, it's, it's the fact that we don't have access, you know, so for me, my coping strategies in the past were, you know, I used to um, work as a performer, so I played in a band. So I played in a band all week long and I was very busy doing that and I just was busy. I was just very busy all of the time. Um, and you know, whether that was with work, whether that was with extra study, whether that was with playing in the band, 
whether that was with just going out and, you know, having a really good time with my friends. And then all of a sudden, you know, I became a mother and none of that was available to me anymore. So, mm. <laughs> you know, I was sort of stuck with my thoughts and, um, and not just with my thoughts, but in terms of my relationship, all of a sudden I was stuck with being in close proximity with someone a lot more of the time than I had really spent before, you know. And so even in terms of the pandemic that we're experiencing now, many people are experiencing relationship, um, you know, as I was saying with the, with the pandemic even, we're seeing that so many relationships are struggling during this time because they're spending so much time together and we don't have that, that time to get respite. We don't necessarily have access to coping strategies to manage some of the challenges that arise in relationship as well. Um, yeah, so I totally, you know, relate to that. Absolutely. I know, I'm sh- I know that there are going to be fo- folks listening who are going to resonate with so much of what you just shared of your own story, but also how you're just sharing in terms of how it can show up for different people in parenting and in these moments and in this transition. And I know that one of the big things that you talk about is in your work is trauma and the impact that our past trauma can have as a parent and in our relationship with our child and can definitely show up in the different triggers that we have in parenting and in motherhood. And one thing that I find with my clients oftentimes is they'll, is when we do talk about their history and their past or their own childhood, is they might say, you know, I didn't have any like big traumas. Um, And when we kind of look a little bit closer and I then can explain to them that like, okay, yes, there's like big T traumas, right? Like big Mm -hmm. events that um, you know, a lot of people might identify as like, oh yes, that was, I could, that, I could see that being traumatic or that was trauma. Mm. Then there's also like little T traumas, right? Mm. Where it's still trauma. And what that could look like is, you know, a parent who was physically present, but not emotionally present, right? Yeah, absolutely. Or, um, just little things that happened, daily or weekly uh, where your needs weren't being met or where your feelings weren't validated Mm. or where you left a interaction feeling like there was something wrong with you or like you had to be perfect because the the world around you was chaotic. So you had Mm. to not be a mess. Like you had to be perfect. Um, Just so many different ways in which that can show up for folks. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on how 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 we begin to understand what our triggers are and be able to make some of these connections because yeah. i do think that there's really something to connecting with that inner child like that like it like you said in that moment that you're able to you know both experience the joy of that presence with your child and also some of the grief and sadness that like you didn't necessarily get to experience that as a child mm. And, but then in making that connection to that part of you, that little you that's still in there, I think it's, it's actually a a gateway into compassion for ourselves, right? When we are triggered, when we are dysregulated to be able to access that. Yeah. It's, it it really can bring in the compassion that, you know, people talk about self-compassion and it's really like, how do you grasp that? Mm. How do you actually feel compassion towards yourself? Well, I think accessing that inner child, right? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts yeah. on like triggers, trauma, yeah. beginning yeah. to do this work. Yeah, um, and I so agree with you. And I think that 
if you have lived, you have experienced trauma. And um, so, mm. and I think that that's, I think that, you know, the old way of talking about trauma was absolutely, you know, we considered trauma as being like someone's been in a, in a war zone or someone has ex experienced really profound abuse or neglect, right. um, you know, or experienced, you know, motor vehicle accidents or some other kind of, you know, um, horrible disaster, you know. Um, and absolutely, those things are traumatic, but there is something about, um, you know, often when I'm talking about um, family of origin stuff, I talk about it as like relational trauma or attachment trauma, you know, and I think that 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 has just as much impact. And in fact, I actually think that also, you know, th through some of the work that I do with um, EMDR, um, that sometimes what happens in our childhood and the experiences we have in our childhood and how that shapes our core beliefs about ourselves and, you know, what we expect from the world, what we expect from others in relationship with us can actually also impact how we experience these more um, single event kind of traumas as well in terms of like mm. what sort of um, meaning making we make about those particular traumas because yeah. people experience you know war zones or maybe sexual abuse and stuff and not everyone is affected the same way so yeah. people may experience trauma but it may not be something that is long lasting in their body or long lasting in terms of the effects that it has in their lives and i think that often that's actually influenced by the the core beliefs that we actually already hold and those things are actually formed through our childhood mm. um so yeah i mean what, it's it's really interesting because I have the exact same thing when I um, meet new clients that and we talk about their childhood. They're always like, yeah, I had everything I needed, you know. Yep, parents were there, everything, everyone was together, you know, blah, blah. And it's only when we really start to unpack things or, I, you know, we get to that point where we start to ask how people feel about certain kinds of interactions. Or it's also like connecting, you know, behaviour that shows up for them now and saying like, when, when's the first time that you remember thinking that, you know, and we go back there and then we're like, what was happening at that time? And then we're able to really go, oh, okay, so there were some things going on there. Um, a really profound way that I have noticed the penny dropping for people has actually been in the group that I run. Um, there's two weeks where we do, one week we do family of origin. So we're talking about, you know, why it matters in, um, in this space of motherhood. And then the second week we do inner child. And at the end of the first week where we talk about um, family of origin and attachment, you can literally just see people sitting there and just the tears in people's eyes. Mm. Um, and the conversation that was happening in our group thread um, in the week after that, was so it was like it was the first time for many of those women that they were realizing oh wow like there's actually so many things that I actually didn't receive so we have this like list of kind of core emotional needs um, that I go through with people and they're like I don't think I got any of those things you know and it's it's actually really amazing then isn't it because what we're what we're discerning as being evidence of good parenting maybe or not even that it's not even about good or bad parenting I think that our parents do the best that they can Which and they um yeah. that's right you know and I also think if we're looking at it from a generational perspective um you know when we've had parents who were not able to be with their own emotional experience and be able to hold space for ours it's because they also experienced that and they may have experienced even worse than that you know so they are dealing with things the best they can so it's not necessarily well I think the first step, if there is anger, it's about expressing that anger and getting that out of our system, right? But it's about doing that so we can move through it, so that we can move to a place of forgiveness with our parents, you know? Like, personally, 
I'm at a point in my own, you know, family of origin stuff where it's like I recognise things that were done that weren't right and that were, um, you know, not in my interest necessarily. Um, but I'm also um, at peace with that. Like there's nothing I can do about it. I've made peace with it. I understand the perspectives of the people who were involved. And then now I just kind of like stay in my own lane in terms of do the work I need to do for me. You know what I mean? And so I can allow that past to just be and, and I don't have to be stuck in it and caught up in it. Um, but, yeah, and I think, um, you know, and in terms of triggers, the way um, that the past kind of um, shows up for us now is really to do with, you know, how we make meaning about what is happening. So in terms of the situations that we're in. So when... Um, you know, in terms of in a relationship, when we send a text to our, to our partner and they don't respond straight away, how do we interpret what's going on there? Do we interpret that as, um, oh, okay, well, maybe he's busy right now and he'll get back to me later and I'll send another message? Or we, do we interpret that as something's wrong and I'm feeling rejected? So depending on what we've experienced in the past and in our childhood, it's going to influence how we make meaning about that interaction. Um, you know, and similarly with um, with children. So in the mothering space, it's the same. So one of my big, big triggers is that when my son doesn't respond to me, because he, so I have a son and a daughter and um, they're six and three beautiful little babies. And um, my son and my daughter are very different and very similar in a lot of ways too. My daughter is like very much like me, very responsive, answers you back, talks a lot about everything, like very chatty, my son can also be chatty, but he's about chatty about the things he really enjoys, right, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but also he gets really focused on what he's doing and really struggles to come out of that or to attend to other information when he's mm-hmm. in that space. And so what, which is completely developmentally appropriate. Mm-hmm. But what it means is that when I am speaking to him or trying to get his attention, it takes a lot more of me getting down on his level and all of this sort of stuff than it does with my daughter. And if I'm not careful, if I'm not aware of my, my past stuff, I can interpret that as see nobody listens to me. This is evidence that I'm unimportant. You know, I'm unimportant. No one listens to me. I'm invisible. No one ever hears what I see, blah, blah, blah. And like, for me, I know that this is that it's that tape playing, right? It's that story that, has been um, that I have learned as a result of experiences I had in my childhood, which was that, um, you know, that I was to be seen and not heard. That mm. was the experience that I had, you know, and of not feeling, you know, validated for all of the big wild ideas that I had. And, you know, that was just, you know, I just didn't have that. It was too loud. So it was like, you you need to be quiet. That was kind of a vibe that was going on for me. And so, you know, now as an adult and as a parent, I'm able, you know, because I've done that work, I'm able to say, oh, hang on a second, I'm noticing that that is coming up for me and what do I need to do about it? You know, if I need to regulate my body, I do that. Often now it's mainly just a a matter of being like, okay, I'm having that thought, this thought's about this, and then actually taking a moment to breathe, connecting with my inner child in that moment and saying, I see you, because that's what the inner child wants at that moment, right? I see you, I'm with you it's okay. And then I can return back to that moment and engage in a way that is aligned with my values for parenting. Mm. Um, you know, so yeah. Oh, you're, I'm feeling emotional just hearing you share your story. You, you just, you made it so t- 
tangible in terms of making this connection of like a real, a real day-to-day thing interaction that can happen with your child and then how that could trigger you and how, if you, if that, if you get triggered and just are reactive in that moment, how you might respond versus from the work that you've done, which you Mm. also described, right. Of what that can look like, um, how you could respond differently and how, how now that trigger is no longer controlling mm. you, right? Yeah, yeah. That, those, that narrative, those experiences, but mm. you're actually showing up for both yourself mm. and your child in that moment, yeah. the work that you've done and how, how that pause can actually look in yeah. real time. Mm. It, you mentioned EMDR earlier. Mm. For the listeners, um, I, I'll link um, a blog Posts that I have, as well as um, an article I've that I was interviewed for, um, and a podcast episode I was interviewed for about EMDR. Um, and if you have any resources as well, Yara, mm-hmm. I'm happy to share those as well because EMDR yeah. is a very, very powerful approach in processing, yeah. you know, trauma and triggers like we're talking about today. Many, many approaches. EMDR is yeah. one, yeah. and I had EMDR done. Mm. And um, I had it done to process my birth, which was very traumatic for me, my mm-hmm. first birth. And some of the negative beliefs around myself for myself that were coming up around that were, there's something wrong with me, my body is broken, and um, you know I'm powerless. Mm. And when I did EMDR, other memories came up that we're connected, you know, cause our brain, that's what our brain yeah. does. Our brain's like, yeah. mm, how are these things connected? How, what, what else, what else has happened? What are other things that mm. so we can make sense of this, make meaning of it? My miscarriage came up, um, mm. similar things, similar experiences. My body is broken. There's something wrong with me. And then there was this childhood memory that came up and it ended up being what in e- the EMDR world you'd call like the touchstone memory. So the earliest mm-hmm. memory yeah. kind of connected to these string of memories. And this was a memory of being in a car and um, an adult in my life commenting on how thin I was and um, but very in a very negative way, mm. feeling like I was not healthy because of how thin yeah. I was as a child and just feeling the shame of like, there's something wrong with me. My body is broken mm. and I'm powerless because I can't, I feel like I'm, I eat when I'm hungry. Like I'm doing, like, I'm not, I'm not mm. trying to do anything wrong, but clearly I'm doing something wrong. Right. Um, and it's int- through the EMDR work, I was able to kind of reparent, like what did I actually need in that moment? As well as with this adult, what did, what was going on for this adult? Right. Mm -hmm. And that, and actually being able to separate like their, their stuff from, from me. Right. And and my lovability, my worthiness, like what my, like the meaning I make of my body, you know? Um, And what's so interesting is now being a parent to three, Recently, there was some stuff going on for my daughter where some social friendship stuff where she was getting messages from people that really made her question her goodness. And when all that came up, I felt triggered <laughs> because I, <laughs> yeah. that, that little girl inside of me is still there. And some, yeah. once in a while, she still gets a little activated mm-hmm. and scared and overwhelmed. And 
it was really powerful for me to notice that mm. and not perfectly i definitely did not <laughs> i definitely had moments where i got consumed and overreactive but then yeah. the moments where i was able to slow down and pause and show up for her in the way that I needed someone to protect and show up for me yeah. in that moment, right? And in doing that for her, I was also doing it for little me. And it was, um, there was a moment recently where my daughter, like, I'm going to cry. Like she came up to me and she <laughs> put her head on me and she was just like, mom, I really feel like I can tell you anything and you're going to, you know me and you're going to protect me and defend me. And I was just like, Oh, like there's yeah. so many moments in parenthood where I feel like I'm totally fucking up like yeah. them <laughs> yes. and one yes. day they're going to be in therapy and they're going to have yeah. to process yeah. it and they're going to tell their <laughs> therapist. And my mom was a therapist and she did yeah. this, like, you know, cause like I'm so yeah. not perfect, but yeah, uh, I just took that moment and like put it in my back pocket. Cause it was like, oh, um, it's so beautiful, isn't it? It's so beautiful. And it's, yeah. And, and I think, you know, I thank you so much for sharing that. And, you know, that I can just relate to that so much, that whole thing of like our kids going through experiences that really, if we're not careful, we can show up to with a lot of energy that comes from a long time ago and isn't necessarily helpful. So that's just so beautiful that you were able to notice that, you know, and really um, be a lot more intentional about how you kind of, kind of engage there. And of course, we're not perfect with it, right? And, you know, the other thing is also that, you know, being able to do that doesn't mean you're never going to be triggered again. It doesn't mean that that trigger is going to disappear. It just means that you have more, um, I guess, control, like you've got more chance of being in control in that particular moment and of being able to provide yourself with healing and being able to provide, um, you know, to be able to show up as your child kind of needs in that moment as, as well. Mm. Um, and as you were saying that about how your child um, came to you, you know, your daughter came to you and said that, that's just, it's so beautiful. And I did a post recently on my um, Instagram page, which was about, you know, I've just had two weeks of solo parenting, which is quite unusual for me. And also I was completely unprepared for it because it was last minute. Mm -hmm. um, and I had so much stuff going on for work and it was just, it felt like a complete mess for me. Mm -hmm. um, and it meant that there was a lot more angry um, feelings coming to the surface for me. Um, and so what happened on one particular occasion is I really like, I fired off at my son because he was doing something that like, yeah, he was, he was kicking a glass door. He wasn't going to break the door by any chance. Like it's a very strong door. It was more just that the noise was really getting to me. And it was a lot of other things happening at the same time. I was trying to like fill up a pool and clean it out. And my daughter was complaining about something and he's kicking the door. Like it was just like, it felt like chaos, right? We all, I was we all, like, we all know those moments. Yeah. <laughs> it was wild. And I just like stood up and just fired off at him. And I just saw his face and he was just, he was so wounded by it. Like I could really see it, you know, when there's times when they just like get annoyed with you, like whatever, like that kind of thing. But it wasn't that he was like, actually just, he was so shocked by it. Cause he was just in this, you know, when they're just doing stuff, not even really aware of what they're doing, but they're just in like, you know, and you're just like, what are you doing anyway? So he was so surprised by my response. He was really sad. Mm. I had lots of stuff going on, but I noticed it. And at the same time I became really aware of my body and I was like, 
aware of how deeply I was breathing, like I was panting almost, you know, because that's the state that I was in. So I was like panting. I felt so hot. I felt tension in my back, um, you know, and I just was just staring at him with this like fire, you know, just staring at him, seeing his face and just being like, oh, shit, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like, no. Um, and he just turned and walked away and didn't even say anything. Like that's how I knew, also I knew he was just so hurt by it. So you know, he left, he didn't say anything. And I just was like, okay. And I kept feeling the pool, but I was like doing my breathing. I was talking to my inner child in that moment because of course it had shown up. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, so I finished doing that and I went inside and found him. He was sitting in the hallway by himself, just eating these almonds, like the image of it. It was so sweet. Mm -hmm. And I sat down next to him and I just, you know, apologized. So I did the repair work, which is what we do when we become triggered and we, you know, maybe act out of alignment with how we want to show up. So I did that repair work and said, I'm really sorry. And, um, you know, it wasn't your fault and I really love you. And um, I'd really love to know how you feel. So we started to talk about that and he was like, I'm just really sad. And he started to tell me about how awful it had felt for him. And it was so sad for me to hear it, you know, but I held that space for it. We had that moment. And I just remember that feeling of when you're sitting with your child and you're just like intertwined, you know, and your legs are in their legs and you're just all, it was a beautiful, lovely, you know, experience. Um, and, and hard for me to hear as well, because obviously I had done something that had hurt him, but we did that. And then later I thought, oh, I've just got so much sadness about how that happened. I need to work through this. So I actually went and did like a breathwork session on my own where I used imagery for inner child work. Um, and was, you know, it was a very emotional experience for me. And I came out of it and I was just like, the thing that I came out with was I made space for him to tell me about what had happened. Like I was able to make space for him and he was able to tell me very honestly in a way that, yes, was hard for me to hear, but very honestly how that had affected him. And, and I was able to do that. And I was like, I never had that. I never had someone that I felt safe to be able to say, you've really hurt me what you've done wasn't okay and I feel really hurt you know to express preferences to tell me exactly what's on their mind mm. um you know and so you know in all of that I was able to have like you said earlier on so much self-compassion you know like yeah of course I fired off like that like I was under a lot of stress I had it was coming towards the end of the two weeks of doing solo parenting we were also in isolation because my children were close contacts my husband was actually in isolation because he had COVID elsewhere, you know, it was a full on time. And as well as that, as well as that, I didn't have a very good blueprint of how to handle myself under stress, you know, because my parents didn't know how to do that. They fired off. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I've had certain kind of imprinting in my nervous system, which is going to feel um, the easiest to go to, right. It's the, the path of less. Path. It's yeah, the exactly. Path. Yeah, exactly. The path we're going to take. Yeah. So it was nice for me to, you know, I'm, you know, for me, it was beautiful. I could do that. I could go and do my breath work. I could do some imagery with that. And I came out of that being like, wow, I just, I just felt so much love for myself in that, you know, whereas I could have just gone down the shame spiral, right. And felt guilty and then tried to overcompensate and feel more depleted and then end up angry again, you know, like it could have happened like that. And it was nice to be able to, to, you know, use those skills and kind of give myself what I needed. Of course, I'm not planning to try to be angry or to fire off at my kids, but I know that's going to happen again. Like I'm just realistic about it. Right. Yes. And, 
you know, for me, it's like, okay, when that happens, this is, these are the steps I'm going to take. I'm going to repair. I'm going to reparent if I need to, um, you know, I'm going to try and use my skills. Um, my son is very good at saying to me when I get angry, like, mum, you didn't use your breathing. Remember, you have to stomp your feet on the floor and pat your tummy and then you do this. Oh, my God. Like, so he's, you know, and, you know, that's the beautiful thing is also like my job as a parent is not necessarily to make, to be perfect in terms of never making a mistake that is hurtful to him. It's actually about being able to give him the skills to be able to manage that. Like, so how, how is he going to process sadness in his body? How is he going to process anger in his body? How is he going to communicate with other people to get his point across? Like that's actually the biggest skill that we can teach, which of course is really hard if we haven't had someone teach us that in our childhood, right? But we can learn how to do that as adults. We can learn how to, you know, rewire and regulate our nervous system. And then actually, you know, through role modeling, show our children that, and as they get older, you know, talk them through it and explain what's happening, what the processes are. So, um, you know, for me, he goes to a school where they're very, it's a very small school and there's lots of mindfulness, yoga and, and regulating the emotions that happens. And so that's a beautiful um, thing to happen alongside of what happens in our home, which is, you know, talking about this stuff and, and using, you know, our regulation skills and, and things like that. So it's interesting, you know, he often is telling me, you know, so he's telling, he's the parent going, like, what are you doing? Like, you didn't do that stuff that you always talked to me about. <laughs> you know, the other, my, one thing that my, my son will often say to me is like, when I, when I lose it, right. And mm. you know, um, come at him with a lot of energy or yell or whatever mm. it is I do. Yeah. He says to me in the moment, you're going to say the S word soon. And the first time he said that, I looked at him like, what are you talking? And then he's like, you're going to say sorry to me soon. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, you little, but then I was like, you know what? <laughs> How cool that in the moment when his mom is dysregulated, mm. that he's, his little brain is able to be like, she's, sh this is about her, not me. And she's going to, mm -hmm. she's going to apologize at some point. Um, that, that repair mm. is going to come because, um, growing up, I had a parent who never said, sorry. Um, and, <laughs> Parents didn't say, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> they were and, always right. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's um, you know, it's it's so okay. So many pieces here, and I'm like looking mm. at the time, like my my bait, my toddler is going to be probably coming through the door with childcare in like six minutes. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I have like six minutes, but like here, um, a couple things you said that I really want to kind of just highlight, and then I want to hear where people can find you so that yeah, they sure, continue to connect with you because you've touched me through this conversation. I'm sure you've touched so many. It is so understandable that when we get triggered that we want to take the most familiar path, right? Based mm -hmm. off of like just what has been modeled to us, how we've had to keep ourselves safe in moments of chaos or in yeah. moments like where we didn't feel heard. It's yeah. so understandable that your brain is going to want to take the most familiar path. It's kind of what we're wired to do. So Absolutely. rewiring and doing this work of shifting gears is going to take so much toning of like a new mm. reaction, a new response. And so yeah. the breathing, the stepping away, the imagery, it's like, oh, do I really have to do all this work? <laughs> yes. And it's mm. so, so worth it. Yeah. And also it's so understandable that our brain is also going to focus on what's unfinished or like what mm. went wrong. So like you were in that moment first felt so sad because of his hurt. But what you were able to do in slowing down is come back to the things that actually were really beautiful and connecting mm. and 
our brain's not going to naturally want to notice those things. And so we have to intentionally come back to those. And I think the other thing in doing this inner child work, I know for me is that as I begin to understand why I like, you know, that I get so much energy around some of these triggers and reactions and I understand more why I understand why Mm -hmm. I also, not only am I gathering more compassion for myself as I understand why and why these things are triggering to me in these moments, but I also then begin to have compassion for the adults that may have caused mm. hurt in my past yes. because yeah. they, the reason that that adult had so much energy around my weight, right, and mm. making comments about that and fear around how thin I was, mm. I, I can only imagine what their experience must have been to have brought that much energy and focus Mm. on that, Mm. you know, um, does it make it right? But I can have, I can contextualize it and understand that actually wasn't about me. Right. Yeah. And that's a beautiful part of healing, you know, a beautiful part of being able to move through that part of our lives, being able to, you know, for our brain to be able to pack that away and be Mm. like, it's still a memory there, but we're not going to be as affected by that um, anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Yara, where can people find you um, so that they can continue to connect with you and your work? Yeah, beautiful. Um, you can find me on Instagram. So that's at Life After Birth Psychology. Um, or you can go to my website, which is www.lifeafterbirth.com.au. Um, and uh, if people are wanting to work with me, um, I am doing another round of my group, which is called The Rebirth, and that will start at the end of May. So you can go, probably the easiest way to get to that is to go to my Instagram and click on the link in my bio, and you can actually register for the waitlist for that. Um, on this occasion, I think I'll just be opening to the waitlist because it's quite big. <laughs> I don't want to be overwhelmed with people. Um, so we're going, so there's that. And then also I do have an anger workshop coming up on the 7th of April, um, which will be, uh, we recorded. So there'll be a replay available and we have people um, at the moment signed up from kind of all over the, the world, which is lovely. Um, and I'll be going into, you know, trigger work and things like that um, in that session as well. So that'll be beautiful, immersive. We'll probably do some imagery in there as well. So, um, yeah, that's the ways that you can find me. Beautiful. And I'll be sure to include links in the show notes beautiful. for all of these resources, ways to connect and events that you've mentioned um, for you. this episode. So listeners can just head straight to the show notes for that. Yara, thank you so much. I was touched, as I said, um, deeply touched by our conversation today and just so grateful to have been able to connect with you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Cassidy. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air. And go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.